Welcome to Under the Blanket, and we are under Miraji's blanket, and we are in his heart where we see, as he would say when he was in a particular form, Neem Karoli Baba, subject, it's all one. And first, I want to I throw a shout out to my very special listener. And I, I, you're 115 years old, and you, you saved all the charge on your phone, and you've wandered out into the wilderness of Southern California. And you're climbing the mountains, and you've been meditating on top of this particular peak for about three weeks. And you're ready to leave your body. And you brought with you a vial of absolutely pure LSD, where one tiny drop would be thousands of doses. And you're steadily dosing yourself, getting ready to leave your body. And before you're leaving your body, of course, what podcast did you turn on under the blanket? You turned your phone back on, it had the charge, and this is the podcast to die to. Now, um, so I have with me today, Jai Ram Lentini. 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 Before the show, right? We had, I had it all worked out. Lentini. Jai Ram Lentini. We had it all worked out. And of course, I start recording and I mess up. But, you know, I'm, we're going to stick with this recording because, 100%. you know, well, that's a good subject, right? Well, first of all, thank you for doing the show and say hello to everybody. Hey, everybody. And thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to spend this time with you. Because, you know, even though on what, a certain level, someone could say, oh, you made a mistake on another level. Was that mis- mistake? Because um, Ramdas was freaking out about all this stuff going on in the world. And what did Miraji tell him? Rob does. Can't you see? It's all perfect. A hundred percent. Although, you know, fear of mistakes is sort of something I'm still working on. I just still can get all balled up. And isn't that so silly when we know that it's just all perfect? Yeah, I mean, on a certain level, we do know it's all perfect. And we rest in that awareness and we get in that. But, like, you're working on that. I'm working on that, too. I... With my show, um, I have audio where my audio is a little quieter than, say, your audio. And I've tried to get new microphones and fix it, and I finally just go with it. Someone told me it forces me to sit down with it and really listen to the podcast. So, you know, it is something I'm sure a lot of us in creative uh, struggle with, maybe. Yeah, but I admire you so much for just going forward and doing it. Because... That's the practice, right? Is just to get out of our own way and follow what we're being led to do, and however it looks and whatever the outcome is, not our problem. And I just I appreciate that. So good for you. Yeah, like it says in the Gita, to not be attached to the results. This is just my dharma to do this podcast. It might be someone's dharma to do something creative, and they might make a mistake, and you know, and then they might correct it. But it's all part of it. But getting all caught up in it. I, that's not what it's about, right? Yeah, I spent too much of my life like all balled up in knots. And part of what has been great, I mean, obviously the end of the spiritual 
journey is not to make the my personality and my worldly existence better, but it has. <laughs> it absolutely has made my day-to-day life so much more manageable. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing because I, I, I follow these um, four, uh, groups on Facebook a lot that talk about spirituality, and there was this interesting post that came up that said spirituality and awakening is not going to make your life easier. And in fact, I found that to be the opposite. Like you were saying, it makes things more, it makes everything easier. It makes, uh, it just takes a whole new perspective on suffering. And you can see it even that as grace. And this person, I don't even know what they're talking about. But I guess, you know, there's all different ways to take it. I found in, in people involved with Ram Dass, it, it seems like our lives are getting easier, right? I feel like it. I mean, even if the whole thing goes to shit, I still am not, I don't feel as bad. Like, I don't suffer as much. Like, everything's still falling apart, but it doesn't really have the same impact because I'm not experiencing it as me as much. Yeah, so that's a good way to start off the show. Now, how did you get into this stuff, being involved with this uh, new perspective that where you see that you are not the, the actor in the storyline and... You are not he or she who desires, or he or she who suffers. You know, I'm relating to like we're we aren't these spacesuits. We aren't these egos. We aren't these uh these we all we have all this packaging. Whether whatever the packaging is, we're we're seeing that it's not us. That we are these spiritual beings. So, you know, that's what I find people seem to like on this show how did we how did you stumble into this or what led you to this that kind of thing well i mean i think because my packaging and when i thought it was also very real it was also very painful i just really did not <laughs> was not having any fun in life at all um uh for a number of reasons but primarily because i was born female and I felt like I was a male. And that was sort of before trans stuff was even in the, you know, the consciousness, because I'm, I'm a little older. Um, I'm heading into, I'm 48 now. So I was born in the, in the early 70s. And, but, it, you know, my life always just felt so not the way that it just didn't make any sense. You know, I was so upset. And so by, like, 11 or 12 I, I was drinking a lot <laughs> to feel better anything that I could put in my body to make myself feel better because I just didn't the life just felt really awful so I mean I after many years of misery I think that's I started to look to for an answer but you know I had always that said I even as a kid though I kind of gravitated toward the mystical I really thought like I I got turned off pretty quick from to the Catholic Church, but I I was raised Catholic, and I I there was something about it that really was like I was really attracted to the um, kind of meditative parts of it, and um, but then once I realized I was an aberration, I I closed down to it, and I got very angry at God, and that took a long time to resolve, but after after working on it. Um, and getting into, I actually got into 12-step recovery, and that kind of shot me into a new uh, realm where I started to learn about non-dualistic um, 
theories and philosophies and then kind of was able to break break open after several years of, of study. So that's kind of the nutshell version of the... Yeah, so what came up for me was, um, you know, a lot of stuff is going on in the culture about uh, the trans uh, rights and things like that, and people are starting to change about their views on this, and other people say are resisting it. You know, you got the right-wing people, and like you were saying, religious people of certain traditions. Now, like Ramba says, that could be grist for the mill, right? So how do you deal with that now that you've found these non-dual paths? When that comes into your life, how would you approach that, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, it just has been a long journey um, to, you know, first to accept myself and start to, you know, kind of make the, the changes I needed to make inside my, you know, within my personality structure. I think that had to come first. I had to, well, first I had to put down the booze and, and just call uncle on the fact that that was not going to solve my problems. Um, and then once I kind of didn't have that as a numbing agent, then I had to I was like, okay, I'm either going to deal with this gender thing or I'm going to put a gun in my mouth. So that didn't feel very much like a choice. Like people are like, oh, you're trans. You know, you did that transition that takes so much courage. It, it didn't take that much courage. It just had to happen or I wasn't going to survive. And so in some ways I was like weakling. <laughs> didn't have the guts to, guts to get rid of myself. So, you know, I, I addressed the gender thing and then I was still not, you know, then it was just, but that, as I was doing that, I was learning about, like I studied A Course in Miracles and it was just so shocking to hear, you know, when I read that it was not that this bodily existence, this physical plane was not the end all and be all. And in fact, it's really kind of an illusion because time doesn't, run in a linear way and so it all happened at once and so it's all over already over and it never really happened in the first place i'm like what does that mean so there was a lot of deconstructing all that but um so i'd say you know like it was parallel tracks but the philosophy of non-dualism helped me to kind of get some space from my body and my personality structure so that i could you know, when I when you start to meditate or do whatever your practice is, acid or whatever, um, you can start to see that you're that awareness looking at your personality instead of everything being so connect. You know, like everything happening to me, like the personality me. And I once it kind of once I somehow and I feel like that was grace to really be able to see um, that that I was the awareness sitting inside myself, watching the self. Once that kind of happened, then that was, then, you know, and it didn't happen overnight. And I like, I learned about it and knew about it before I could, before I experienced feeling it, you know, that actual getting some breathing room where I was not, the pain that was happening to my personality wasn't the pain that was, that wasn't so personal. Does that make sense? Maybe. That makes a lot of sense to okay, me. Cool. In fact, what came up, I think, and maybe listeners can relate with this, is, you know, sometimes you need to get into the spiritual concepts and maps 
before you have the experiences. I mean, that didn't work out in my class. I had the, the awakening through psychedelics originally and then did practices from be here now and so on. Other people, they approach it intellectually first. They It starts to make sense intellectually. They read these books. They see these philosophies and concepts, and they sort of develop this map. And that makes sense to them intellectually enough to aim and then that aims them towards the awareness. And then once you start aiming there, then you have to practice. And then you get there and then you see how it's really like I'd like your perspective on this. It's so simple. I mean, this it's a return to this awareness. It's just simple. It's just like I find uh, what helps me is like trees. I like to go and, and just hug a tree and just for a while and just surrender into the tree and learn from the tree. I feel trees are powerfully always 100% in that awareness they don't have the personality issues so they're just being a tree and they feel pain and they feel pleasure like when I hug them they feel that pleasure but if they feel the pain they're not hung up about the pain or they're not they're not like oh he's gonna hug me I'm excited anticipation oh all that kind of stuff oh he's hugging another tree jealous you know <laughs> right all that kind of stuff that humans go through with the personality structure the trees are just part of everything you know and that's the thing about the awareness it's so simple it's this awareness it's like you said watching the personality watching the senses and sense data like right now it's watching him talk and he's like and I, for a second there, I was lost in the in the show, and I was being him doing a podcast. Now I'm watching him again, and being the awareness, and the awareness is connected to everything, and the awareness is simple. Yet him, who's doing the podcast, is complicated, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So maybe you could talk about some of that stuff. Yeah, no, I think you you said it perfect, and I don't even know if there's much to add. I mean, I I think. Um, I, I will say I was graced with a, a period of time where I, w- I did not get lost at all. Like I was fully aware at all times that I, that I was that, that. Like my identity was so firmly in the awareness that I remembered all the time. And that was so beautiful. It's not like that right now. And I'm so sad about it. But um, that period of time was beautiful. But I think for the most part, we all just dip in and out of the the recognition of the awareness but i had that um period of time where i was just totally fully always in that place um when i was studying with ramdas and it was just so incredible it lasted a couple years and go into that go in that you know because a lot of my listeners uh, i've had a lot of people on the show i've had Prabhati marcus and cedar ramdas and a bunch of people involved in the satsang, and I'm sure people from the satsang listen. So that's what they've been dying to hear, probably. So just tell them about working with Ram Dass. I mean, some people, they just read Ram Dass's books. They just watch, they listen to lectures, and they would die. They would kill, maybe. They would kill. No. I'm going to <laughs> humor, but anyway. <laughs> maybe not that kill. That was really dark humor. I'm like, where am I getting that from? Jeez, some dark shit there. But shadow work? Ram Dass has said is really good. Absolutely. Now, everybody's freaked out oh, about no, me. I'm not, I don't want to. So the first time I sat with Ram Dass. Lighten up out there. Yeah. All no. right, so 
where were we? Ramdas, you know, they're just reading the video, watching the videos, they're just reading the books, and then they really want to see Ramdas. They have that strong desire, and there you are working with Ramdas. Tell us about that. Well, you know, I like I was just gonna say. So the first time I sat down with him in his study, I said that exact thing to him. I was I was nervous, and I was like, Ramdas, out of all the thousands of people that would just die to be sitting here in this chair how did I get here I was just I mean it just was my mind just kind of got blown for a minute and he was like "Ah." he he seemed a little like okay we're gonna start with the basics and he's like you know that teaching when the student is ready the teacher appears yeah that's true and uh you didn't come to me I brought you here I was like oh okay so I just sort of put a cap on that I but I um I, I, every time I was with Ramdas, and when I was, you know, when I had to make plans to go to see him, it was I was just terrified, honestly, because I don't know why, but it just was scary to, to, um, I don't know, maybe it was something about worthiness or something where, you know, it's like, who am I to get, the, you know, but, but having had the opportunity, I'm so glad I took it all, and I did it several times. I had uh, three personal retreats with him, and I've spent a lot I spent on some other times on Maui and in group retreats and honestly so what happened originally when I first got into contact with Neen Curly Baba was in a dream I don't know what happened in like 2012 but I woke up it was such a powerful dream and I had so I had dreamt about um, Neen Curly Baba and I didn't realize it was him really until I got to Maui along uh, long after that but um to make a long story short um uh, I transitioned my gender, but my relation and that all happened. I was okay. And then a few, you know, a few years into studying non-dualism, I uh, my relationship fell apart. And I had, you know, in a course of miracles, they're like, oh, you know, you just forgive everything that you see because it's in a dream, it's illusion. You don't have to worry about it. But when my relationship fell apart, it felt really damn real, and I was devastated. But Ram Das started coming up on my Facebook feed, and I was reading all of the Ram Das stuff, and it was so amazing. And so, um, uh, shortly after that, I had this very powerful inner kind of awakening where, you know, I well, I begged, I begged the universe, whatever it was, it wasn't Neem Curly Baba or Ram Das or anybody, but I was like, I, you know, but I had heard, you know, Ram Das would say. Uh, I, I went and saw my guru and he looked at me with unconditional love and I was so jealous and I just like kind of shook my fist at the universe. I'm like, I want that experience. I, give me that experience. And it came to me from inside myself, like in this very powerful feeling of love inside my heart that sort of took over my whole being. And it and it lasted a few weeks and and then it disappeared a little bit, but I've never been the same since. But anyway, I was like, I've got to go thank Ramdas. So I went, I packed my bags, and I was going to take my one big trip to Hawaii because I didn't think I could afford it ever again after that. And I went on a group retreat and I saw Ramdas and it was beautiful. And then I ended up being in Maui like every six months after that, somehow, like somebody would give me frequent flyer t- m- tickets or I would like get a credit card with miles on it and I did it was never really a huge burden financially I just somehow did it and that lasted years uh, like five years and so I ended up staying with Ram Dass in really a miraculous way but anyhow I you know being with Ram Dass was really pretty amazing 
but being with him is like very much like being listening to a lecture it's it's uh you know that kind of power comes through his words even on youtube so but oh, it, yeah yeah i i've i spent a week with him in austin texas so i know from personal experience but uh, i've had some very powerful experiences listening to his lectures and i i listen to his my partner a lot uh off we both just really get into deep loving awareness together and relationship yoga listening to his lectures and you know and then when he he i I think i feel appropriate to tell the story of when he passed that i found when he left his body and i found out uh before it was even announced online because i know a lot of people from the set saying like i have a strong cyber connection plug into people in the chat saying uh and uh they informed me that it happened and i felt for like a very short period of time a little bit of sadness it wasn't like anything really heavy and then all of a sudden i felt ramdas reach out and from the astral plane and i felt a, an arm go through my chest and through my heart and it was just so powerful he didn't want me to grieve that way he oh wow! Took it away. He took it away out of grace, and all that kind of stuff. And um, he ended up like you were saying, meeting Neemkral Baba in dreams. I've met him in dreams, astral planes, I call him. And Ramdas told me we had a freaking three-hour conversation. <laughs> he shows up in the dream or the astral plane, whatever you want to call it. This is a dream too, by the way. So row your boat down that freaking street, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right, so. I was in the dream, and we were talking for three hours, three hours. Uh, and he's in his wheelchair in the dream. He was like, what well, do you need a wheelchair on the astral plane? You could be having wings, you know, and all, but he had the wheelchair, whatever. I wasn't going to tell him what form to appear in. I'm not like, well, hold on a second. Why are you in the wheelchair? Where are the wings? Where is the glowing light in the orbs? I mean, come on. A wheelchair? Ooh. Give me a break. But he had it. Three-hour conversation, all I remember is keep carrying the message of be here now. He wanted me to remember that. So when I woke up into this dream, that's all I remember out of three hours. So it's like, I guess my ego is a discipline. I was like, what's the other stuff you told me? Ah. No, dang it. Well, I bet it'll come up when you need it. And and I, you know, I would say to anybody who didn't have the privilege of being with him, that you know, you definitely can contact him and Neem Karoli Baba or the one or whatever, all whatever that is for any person, you know, on the, on those astral planes is absolutely real. Exactly. Absolutely. The astral plane is just as real as the physical plane. And ultimately, you know as well as I, our listeners know that we're only meeting ourselves. It's all one. And uh we are reaching that time where you're going to share with, you know, you had something to talk about uh, that people could look up. So how about you go into that? Oh, dang. Okay. This went so fast. Um, well, I I did want to let people know that um, my partner in life and I, um, his name is David Alt, are, have formed a little nonprofit called Nandi Das, and we're doing some teachings and stuff. And if you want to check us out, you can go to www.nandidas.com. And um, we do like little, he does a weekly talk on Facebook and we usually do like a monthly Zoom something. Um, 
some sort of a gathering and uh, experience. And so if people want to check that out, we would love it. That's wonderful. And you could look for that in the description for the show. And um, uh, you could check that out, everyone. And, uh, you know, what I want to what it comes down to about all this stuff is from my perspective, seeing everyone as the guru. I mean, we get into these beautiful beings like Ram Das or Neem Crow Baba, other teachers, uh, and, and say we have a partner or a relationship, a friendship, or a parent that's really close to all these people, these special loved ones. But to me, even though that is, we honor that, and that's an important level, and we don't push that away. We have special dances to do with people. Like right now, Elise is sitting right here. Her back turned me, and she's looking at our altar, the puja. You know, she's looking at Baba and Jesus and the rest of them, Ananda Mai Ma, Buddha, you name them, Hanuman. And like on a certain level, she's a special somebody to my human, and I don't push that away. I honor. But it's really just a special dance that I have with her. In loving awareness, everything, everybody's the guru. We love everybody. It's all one. So perhaps we could end about that. I mean, that's probably something that comes up a lot. Because you, from the loving awareness, we love it all. We love everybody. So how do we relate that with the human, you know, special people, family, friends, partners, whatever, right? Yeah, that's a rich topic. And I think that's, you know, the idea that we have to be here, you know, since we feel like we're here experiencing this life, when we we have to act, like it says in the Gita, you know, we have to pretend or like we have to go on acting in this world until we're, if we were enlightened, we wouldn't feel like we were here. So then we get into all kind of, you know, issues with friends and family and and we have to figure out how to how to work those situations out and it and we need each other to do that and to and to keep on the you know keep remembering to be here now i think so that's like that's where that's why we are doing nandi das is just to help create community um you know whoever wants to come play in this you know in a in a and try to remember where we're heading, but in the meantime, also sort of work out what we're doing here um, in this level of consciousness and play in this level of consciousness. I think one thing that David Alt, my partner, is teaching me, because I kind of went through a, a monastic celibate period and then like came out of that into, into relationship with him. And it was confusing for a minute because I imagined I would just, you know, hang around i was in such a bliss loving awareness like what did i need any relationship for but it um it has been good for my personality and, and maybe you know apparently my spiritual path to to kind of be in the in the world i think you know in this in this realm of human existence and and to be with another person who can both help me and push me, you know? I mean, if we are all alone in a cave, it's a little hard to tell where the rough edges are. Oh, you nailed it. You nailed it. It, it can be a very powerful, transformative practice to stay in that loving awareness. But I found when I was 
uh, me and my lady had a little brief time where we were apart. I was dating other people. I was single. I was alone for a while. It was great. When we got back together, um, it was like a whole, reached a whole new level. And it was, throughout the whole thing, I met her in college, college sweethearts. It's like with her, it's like it's Colleen. I mm-hmm. seeing her as perfection, the divine mother, and she gets to every little nook and cranny of ego trip and little <laughs> hiding of attachments. She finds every button and pushes them all at once. And it's good because then if I use it as that she finds it, she pushes it, pushing all of them at once, whatever it is, then my, she's looking at me now. But give me that look. And it was like, you know, she pushes that. That's an opportunity because it brings up stuff that I need to address, shadow, ego stuff. We look at it. We see that it's there. We just notice it. And what do we do? We let it go. We offer it up. And look how lighter we feel after, right? Yep. And then right, the, so the loving awareness. Really great that show. You, right uh, on. Really so good, good talking with you. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, I just feel the loving awareness. And here in love, we are love. And I love you. I love you too. Ram, ram. Ram, ram. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And keep on keeping on. And just be right here now. And remember that you are love. And love it all. Thank you for listening to the show. Bye-bye.